0: Well, welcome to tonight, which, uh, the Alpha Weekend, and uh, we are so grateful that you are here. Uh, we have been praying and trusting tonight. It's going to be a wonderful night for all of us, and tomorrow morning as well. Um, first thing I want to mention to you is that uh, if you will, I don't have one, but if you will open about midway through your Alpha, the, the weekend manual, you will notice something that says, Gleanings from Luke. I think it says that, doesn't it? Center page. So this is this is your homework. This is your homework for tonight. Oh, you are so kind. Thank you. So this is this is a story. It, this is a story of the prodigal son. Now, if you don't get to do your homework, show up anyway. But um, this is the, the story. We've all heard of the prodigal son. And we typically think when we think of prodigal is we think of something bad, don't we? At least that's what I've always thought. Prodigal means bad. No, prodigal doesn't mean bad. Prodigal means excessive. Okay, so something can be excessively bad, or something can be excessively good. It's prodigal. It's 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 neutral, quite honestly. And so, what we're going to do is from Luke 15, from Luke 15 verses 11 through 32 tonight. That will be your reading, and then we've got four questions here for you to, to go over and to read them. And then tomorrow, this, honestly, when we talk about the Alpha Weekend, so many people love this first exercise of the day. So tomorrow morning when we come together at 8.30 for breakfast, we're going to dive right into breakfast, and then we will dive right into the teachings and what your thoughts are about the parable that Jesus teaches of the prodigal son. Okay, so that's for tomorrow morning at 8.30. Mr. Alleman, thank you so much. So um, tonight is a night of response. Okay? Tonight is not going to be a night for for us just to in, you know either take a nap while i 'm speaking and then turn and then continue your nap till you leave, which I would do after a rough day, particularly on a Friday. but um, it 's a night of response it 's an opportunity. For a few people that are here tonight, they're going to share their stories. I am excited about you hearing the work, what the Holy Spirit has done and is doing in the lives of three folks that will share their story tonight. So you will hear less from me and more from other folks. Thank you for not clapping. Oh, yeah, I knew that was going Thank you, Jim. Um, but before that, we're going to introduce something that's going to take us a little bit more out of our comfort zones. I know for some of you just being here. Just that first night coming was was maybe awkward. Like, what am I getting into? What are they doing? Uh, what are they going to ask me to do? Uh, well, we've asked you to just come and enjoy and eat and talk and listen and read the word, and that's what we've done. But you know, life is about comfort zones. Uh, but if we stay in our comfort zones our whole lives, we may exist through life, but we won't really live. And life is about going from one comfort zone into a discomfort zone that becomes a comfort zone that becomes a discomfort zone that becomes a comfort zone. You understand that? And I think, I hope you understand that. If you don't, just shake your head yes. Uh, and so tonight I have asked Stephen and uh, Rebecca, Callie, to come and lead us in a couple of songs. One of the centerpieces of faith is worship is singing. And what singing is really is just, it's many cases, just prayer put to song. And so Stephen and Rebecca, you guys can come on up right now. Would you welcome Stephen and Rebecca, Callie? Stephen is slight of voice, so that gave us the joy of having Rebecca to join him. So Stephen and Rebecca will lead us on a couple of songs. I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable, would you mind just standing? You can stay seated if you want, but if you don't mind standing, the songs, the words will be on. If Look, if, you don't, if you're not comfortable singing, just act like you're at a bar. Okay, just act like you're at a bar. You've had a few drinks. Um, and, uh, no, don't do that. But you're not, going to know, you're not going to know the tune of these songs, more than likely. So let the words don't get so caught up in trying to sing the right note. Was that a G-flat minor? Um, don't get so caught up in, in singing just right, but get caught up in the words. Let the words carry your heart. Let the words that you hear speak to your heart. Okay? So let's do that. Stephen, Rebecca, over to you.
1: then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The this is finished. the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me His own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Shine in your name, Jesus Christ. promise your buried body began to is risen bow down before to
0: For the truths that are ensconced in the words of these songs Lord that you Jesus Christ are the very air we breathe that we're lost without you that you are the one that we need the one that loves us and has come looking for seeking us and we pray tonight lord for ourselves and for one another that all that you have intended for us to receive by being here tonight lord more than us not having anything else to do on friday night lord may it be that we accepted even unwittingly possibly your invitation for us to be here tonight for you to meet with us we have accepted that invitation and expect, Lord, to experience you tonight who have come for us, to love us, to change us, and to give us life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could we thank Rebecca and Stephen? Ah. Oh. I was halfway tempted to say, why don't you guys just continue, and, uh, oh, what a gift, what a gift. Well, uh, I'm just going to share just for a quick second, and then I'm going to invite Debbie Basil and her husband, Peter, I think he's coming with her, to just tell and share with you guys something of the work of God in their lives. Um... But you know what we talked about? If the Bible is true and the resurrection of Jesus is true as well, I, you know, I put this, actually, I put this on the screen for us so you could follow with me. If the Bible is true and the resurrection of Jesus is true as well, Jesus' promise of sending his Holy Spirit to bring new life to us by the Spirit is also true. The new life we receive by being born again of the Spirit empowers us to love God completely To love ourselves correctly and to love others compassionately. That's a great statement that I first heard from Kenneth Boa. He says, The Spirit empowers us to love God completely, to love ourselves correctly, and to love others compassionately. Isn't that a great statement? I mean, we cannot do that without the Spirit of God. There is nothing that you and I are capable of doing without the work of the spirit of god in us this is the work of the holy spirit and that is why we're here tonight to learn more of him and to receive him and at that very moment of surrendered reception he makes you and me new at that moment of receiving the gift of saying i do of getting in the wheelbarrow of surrendering to Christ, He makes all things new. We receive total unconditional forgiveness, total unconditional acceptance, total unconditional righteousness in the sight of God, and that is all the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, as we are here tonight and tomorrow morning, what our prayer has been throughout all of Alpha, and particularly for tonight and tomorrow morning, is that we will, Each of us will, every one of us will experience the intimate presence of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, maybe corporately, but more importantly, to each and every one of us individually, just as he desires to communicate with us. So before I go any further than that, I've asked Debbie Basil to come and share her story. Debbie, Peter, um... Debbie and Peter attended the Spring Alpha of 2008. Um, and in those 14 years, the Basils have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of their lives and Lakeview Christian Center, their home church, even though they live in Timbuktu now uh, somewhere. So we're going to take an offering for their gas money for tonight. Um, but they, they have given us the privilege, and it has been a privilege to Live with them, to laugh with them, to cry with them. Um, and so, would you guys please welcome the Basils as they share with us? That should be on. Is it on? Well, that's the one you're using.
2: So, this is an analogy where Frank has screwed up and starts to feel uncomfortable. And I have a mic. <laughs> so, just to be transparent, um, many years ago he has quoted scripture to me enough throughout many, many years that he quoted Galatians 2. No, that was God quoted that one. Mm-hmm. Frank quoted 2.11, maybe, where he rebuked me because my name is Peter, just like Paul did. And allowed me never to speak again. So Debbie, I just get to stand up here. Uh, So that's on you. But anyway, here's my bride.
3: (laughs) Hey, y'all. My name is Debbie Basil, and I was raised in Metairie and met my husband Peter 45 years ago in 1977. He was marching in the St. Patrick's Day Parade down Metairie Road. And on um, June 2nd, and I did not kiss him because uh, I just never did. I didn't do that at 15 either. So on June 2nd, we will celebrate our 38th uh, wedding anniversary. And i um, <laughs> So we had um, three wonderful sons, and we um, have three beautiful grandsons. So I'm a nurse, and 18 years ago, um, I was working with a lady named Linda Pratz. Peter, uh, my husband, had a very complicated autoimmune disease in his lungs, and it was a grim outlook. Linda asked if her church could pray for Peter. And, yes, it was this church. It was the Lakeview Christian Center. So fast forward four years After that, um, in 2008, Peter and I received a letter from Ray Pratt's. We did not know him at all. It showed up at the house. Peter had never met Linda, but this letter invited us to a thing called Alpha. It sounded good to me because I had been going. I had been, at least in my own mind, a very religious person, and I had been attending church with our three sons for a while without Peter. I went into the Alpha course truly, and this is the truth, truly thinking I was just fine, but it was my hard-headed husband who needed rescuing. (laughs) But for the weeks, for me, as the weeks went on, I had a ton of questions for Ray, my uh, table leader. I decided to attend this thing called the Alpha weekend. I was excited, but I was also confused. I had to be honest with myself. And sometimes that's very difficult to do. But some of the things that I had sincerely believed for 45 years just did not line up with what I was reading and being taught was in scripture. And at the time of my life, I really thought that I controlled everything in my life and I thought I was pretty good at doing so. But what happened to me at the Alpha weekend, I didn't control it at all. It happened to me. God called me. The Holy Spirit really had been wooing me during all the previous weeks of Alpha and all of the teaching. It just finally made sense. And I realized it was Debbie Dague Basil's past, present, and future sins that actually held Jesus to the cross. The Holy Spirit made it so clear that God was calling me by name, offering me this gift of eternal life, And I said yes, and I accepted the gift. What I know is that it became very clear that my life was changed for eternity from this side of the grave to the next. God took me out of Adam, and he placed me into Christ. As Frank has been saying, I was now in the dash for I was his in the dash for as long as I live and then with him in the line forever after I'm no longer in this body. So earlier I said I had three sons. One of my sons, Blake, was also invited by the Prats to Alpha, and this was in 2007. It was the year before Peter and I attended. Blake was a junior at Brother Martin. And had recently lost a friend to suicide. Peter and I really had no idea where he was going on Tuesdays, but we knew it was a church thing. I knew Linda, so uh, Blake also attended this thing called the Alpha Weekend. So what I know now is that Blake, that guy, called Blake by name that weekend, and Blake said yes. And my son truly became a child of God for all eternity, even after his last heartbeat on this earth. After Alpha, Blake went through many, many struggles and difficulties that this fallen world can present. But my Blake was a fighter, and he overcame many of these battles. Life looked good. Blake became a husband to my precious Anna and a father to Nathan even if it was just for a short while. You see, next week, May 25th, 2000, it was May 25th, 2017, so next week it's going to be 5 years that Blake was deceived by the devil and he committed suicide. Blake was called to his eternal home, heaven. His last act on this earth doesn't determine his final destination. That was made while he lives in the dash. That's where our final destination is determined. I am eternally grateful that the Lord of Lords chose to call my son his son, and Blake accepted the free gift of salvation at the Alpha Weekend. As I was practicing to read my story to Peter, he said, you know, with tears in his eyes, he said, remember, Debbie, salvation does not make us perfect. But in it, God gives us his perfect, unconditional promise. What happened after Blake's death is a testimony to the true definition of a church. This church at Lakeview Christian Center, the body of Christ, these Men and women who are now my brothers and sisters in Christ are what surrounded Peter and me on that day when Blake died and still up to this day, even with the distance where we are. We are not alone. In our dark moments and despair and such deep grief, the body of Christ has cried with us, loved us, and continues to clearly direct us back to the truth of the gospel and the scriptures on the days that we just can't even feel it. The pastors at Lakeview have been my counselors who have battled with me and have truly shepherded me. They help me to continue to have hope in the saving blood of Christ. Over 14 years ago, when we sat down At our first week of Alpha, we could never have imagined then where we would be today. How Jesus has loved us through his church in spite of ourselves and in the midst of our heartbreaks has been more than we could have ever, ever imagined. Thank you for listening.
0: Again, <clears throat> I do not know how hard that is to do that what she and Peter just did but um, I'll say it this way that is their gift to you because they have not wallowed in their grief they truly have believed that even as Blake was deceived to take his own life um, that God, in ways that you and I can't understand, I know some denominations would say that is an unpardonable sin. I would hasten to disagree with that assessment of Scripture because that is not Scripture. That may be a tradition of certain denominations, but that is not Scripture. Um, Jesus Christ paid for our sins, past, present, and future, all that we had committed and were yet to commit. And so... um, I am so grateful to them. And I wanted them to share, and I asked, and I was grateful that they would do this because it was the Alpha weekend that meant so very much to them. That was the launch pad. They had come to all the Alphas up to that point in time, and the weekend was the launch pad for their coming to know Christ and their experiencing Christ in amazing ways. Over the last 14 plus years. and So tonight we're in. It's actually session nine. But we have a handout for you guys. And I'm going to follow sort of. Um, These are notes that uh, are typically Peter Davidson's. And uh, uh, Peter typically will do the Alpha weekend. But Peter was uh, smitten with uh, COVID early in the week. And uh, though he wanted to share with you. He did not want to share COVID with you so uh, uh, and we appreciate that so uh, I will be borrowing from some of Peter's notes because they are so good Um, so the initial and vital work of the Holy Spirit is to bring us the initial and vital work of the Holy Spirit is to give us new life in Christ if that doesn't happen listen if that doesn't happen nothing else does Coming to know Christ is the initial entrance into a relationship with God by the Holy Spirit. It would be like taking, if not being born, it'd be like taking a room in your house and preparing it for your child with all the new baby accoutrements and letting the room stay like that for a few years. And then in about five years, changing the decor to fit that of a five-year-old boy or girl, and then about about eight years later, renovating to accommodate a 13-year-old, and then once again, you're soon to be in high school, you're soon to be a high school graduate, um, you've done lots of things to make that room all perfect for that child that you never had. See, life without Christ is just redecorating your house. Life without Christ is being about a lot of interesting things. But what it is not about is having life in Christ. You can do a, a lifetime of amazing things, of travels, of house buying, of house decorating, of jumping out of airplanes, and doing all kinds of other things that may be exciting to you. But there's no life there. And just like the analogy of having a room for a child that you never had is... It's like living a life without becoming a child of the living God. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's what he does. He births us into Christ. So this is what is most essential for you and me. And I love this from Pastor Peter's notes. What does the Holy Spirit do? He warns us about our true condition before God. He woos us to turn from our sins... And our shame and to turn to him for those of you who are here for the first time, I am sorry just they'll explain these these magical cups to you um, you know I have to put these up here. it wooes us to turn from our sins and our shame and turn to him to be taken from Adam and to placed into Christ and then he the Holy Spirit wins us to accept the life of forgiveness and unconditional acceptance found in and offered only by Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Spirit. He warns us. There's danger. He woos us away from danger. And then he wins us to himself. That is his full intention. And then for life abundantly to be experienced from that point. So he warns us. He warns us. Without Christ... We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're in Adam. Without Christ, we're following the course of this world. Remember Jesus, you may remember this. Jesus said that broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. Okay, broad is the way that in the dash leads to destruction in the line, and many are they that find it. So that would be following the course of this world, those who are in Adam. And each of us is in Adam, if not in Christ. And maybe tonight you're here. Maybe you're still, you know, you're curious or convinced. But maybe tonight would be the night. And we'll give you that opportunity, once again, to say, no more in the world, no more dead in my trespasses and sins. Remember, the word dead means separated from God. That's what that means. So no more dead in our trespasses and sins. Without Christ, we are following the course of this world. We're following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This is what we talked about in session seven when we talked about when we talked about evil. Following the prince of the power of the air in Scripture, that is clearly a demonic uh, way in which we are being led. Following the Power of the air, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Well, those would be those of what the Bible says is true, as difficult as it may or may not be to receive or believe. The Bible says that's what's taking place for those of us who are still in Adam. Okay, without Christ, we are living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We are still separate and apart from Christ, living to accommodate. And living to satisfy our own earthly passions, lusts, and desires. And then we are by nature children of wrath wrath, like the rest of mankind. Again, we are still in Adam. So this is what the scripture clearly says. In other words, this is a warning that God gives. So that we will escape this. God gives the Listen, if he didn't want us to escape, he wouldn't give us a warning. Right? If you're driving down a street and it says, danger ahead, detour. Well, you can just drive right through that sign if you want and you will find danger. But you can't say you weren't warned. Okay? God gives us his spirit and God gives us his word to warn us. To make it very clear that to go this way, to this broad path that leads to destruction, will bring us to a fatal, forever demise. And so God is the God that he comes to warn us. And I'll give you three other scriptures right here that we've talked about in the past. When Paul writes to the church at Rome, he writes this, For the wages of sin is death. Okay? You and I sin. You and I do selfish things, and the earnings, right, wages are what you earn, correct? You get your wages, it's what you earn. The wages of sin is separation from God. And every one of us have sinned. Every one of us have been selfish. Every one of us have turned to our own way. Every one of us have wanted to be as God. And what we have earned, according to what the Bible says, not according to me or this church or this whatever denomination, The wages of sin is separation from God. And then Paul writes, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and are not acceptable to God. That's what it says. All of us. That's every one of us. Just apply your name to all. And it applies to everyone. I can say this. Frank has sinned. Frank has lied. Frank has stolen. Frank has lusted. Frank has been greedy. Frank has done all those things because I want what I want when I want it, and the result of that was I was not acceptable to God. That's what it means to fall short of the glory of God, is to be not acceptable to him. Now, you fall into that camp, and so do I, and so does Jimmy, and so does Bob, and so does Stephanie, and so so does Eduardo, so does every one of us. None of us escape that. And so tonight you can't say, well, that's not me. That must be the guy next to me. No, that's every one of us. All of us have sinned. The result of that is death, and being unacceptable to God. And then in Romans 3, we see there is none righteous. I mean, this is kind of piling on here. There is none righteous, not even one. There's not one righteous. The word righteous, again, means not guilty. Found to be legally innocent. Justified is what another word there. And so, none of us is righteous, not even one. The Spirit of God, His job, is to say... To each and every one of us, you're in a heap of trouble without God in the dash and forever in the line. That's his job to warn us. He is the great warner. So nobody can say, Well, God just didn't tell me. I just didn't have enough information. Horse hockey. God, gives, sorry for being technical there, but God gives us all the information we need. And if you've been here over these eight, now nine sessions of Alpha, I'm confident that you've heard things in the Bible maybe you've never heard before. Maybe you've liked them or not liked them. But it's what the Spirit of God is communicating to each and every one of us. If what is said in this Bible is true, if Jesus is in fact raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and has sent the Holy Spirit, this is the truth. And these are the things... That if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we need to hear. You know why? Because your wages are death. Your sins have caused you to fall short of God's acceptable standard. And you are not righteous. And I am not righteous. In and of myself, in Adam, apart from God. Just not there. But here's the good news. God... That only warns us of the danger of the eternal danger he woos us into something that is a whole lot better than being a member of the of the uh, Fruit of the Month club. You know I mean i don 't know if any of you are members of the Fruit of the Month Club, but this gift is a whole lot better than that. The co- this kind of wooing is unheard of, unprecedented and undeserved. But it is totally necessary if you and I are to have peace with God. Totally necessary. Here's what Paul wrote to the, um, in John 3. I'm sorry, Jesus said this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So here's a warning and at the same time a wooing. The warning is this unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Now, let me just stop here. Do you believe that? Unless you have been born of the Spirit, unless you've been taken out of him and been placed into Christ, you will not see the kingdom of God. Again, don't believe me. I've said that multiple times during Alpha. What does the Word of God say? The word of God says, unless you are born from above, look, this has nothing to do with whether you're a Catholic or a Baptist or a Presbyterian or an Episcopalian or you don't know what the heck you are. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Now, maybe Jesus is wrong and you're right. Maybe. But he said, unless we are born again, we'll not see. He says, do not marvel, he told this rich Jewish religious leader, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Hey, that does not happen when you're an infant. That does not happen when you get baptized at 12 years old and you're Catholic or your Methodist or whatever church. It doesn't happen then. It doesn't happen in your Catholic church or your Methodist church or Episcopalian church or any other church. It happens when the Spirit of God comes upon you and births you into God's kingdom. This is not an issue of denomination. You're not going to find one denomination in this Bible ever. You'll find John the Baptist, but that's about as close as you get. So so understand that Jesus is speaking to people who can think and communicate who he is warning by his spirit that you must have a new life. You were born physically, alive but you were born spiritually separated from God. To come to know Christ is to be born spiritually alive. That's why Jesus said, you got to be born again. And so in this statement, Jesus warns, and at the same time, he woos us to become his, to no longer be in Adam's fallen race. And then Paul writes to the church, in Corinth, he says, "God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, who was perfect in all of his ways, to be sin for us, so that in him that is in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God Now what that's saying is this: to be taken out of Adam, to be born again, to receive the gift that is offered in Jesus Christ, we become now look The righteousness of God, in other words, when God looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that is placed on us. That is attributed to us. And therefore, God accepts you and me now, not because of our faulty, failing works, but because of the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Period. That's what he says. God made Christ who had no sin, to be our sin-bearer on the cross. So that in him we might become. The might there is this. Unless, if we receive him, we do become. If we do not receive him, we do not become. We are not going to become the righteousness of God. I will still be the unrighteousness of Frank in Adam. I will still be the unacceptability of Frank Still in Adam, but God's spirit warns me and he woos me so that I will come to him. That's what he does. And the scripture that you're so familiar with, because we talk about it so many times for God so loved you and so loved me that he gave his only son. I mean, here's the wooing. I've got my son for you. I've got my son for you, so please come to him. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. Remember, the wages of sin is perishing, it's death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you have the son, you have eternal life. You get his perfect life. He gives his life to us. And God counts us as righteous now again so think about this for a minute where are you where are you are you in adam or are you in christ because of what the bible says is true it doesn't matter how many times you go to church it doesn't matter how many prayers you pray it doesn't matter how much money you give those are nice things but those are things without christ That are like decorating a room in your house for a child you're never going to have. It's like preparing and aggrandizing things. But you're never going to be there and experience that. So the question is this. Think about this. Are you in Adam still? Or have you surrendered the totality of your life to Jesus Christ? That's The question that we're dealing with tonight and what does the Holy Spirit do? I can't do that for you. But the Holy Spirit is the one that comes and says, will you come with me? Will will you? Hey, I'm here to tell you about Jesus who died for you. I'm here to give you the life that, that he came to give you. The life you couldn't give yourself that he came to give you. I'm here now to give that to you. Would, would, you, would you like that? Would you like to receive that gift, which will change you in the dash and in the line forever? Would you like that? Like I said on, on a Tuesday night, has anybody, if that is the truth, and I've, I'm wagering my life on it that it is, and that doesn't make it true or false, but I believe it's the truth. If that is the truth, there's no greater truth you will ever either receive or reject. But it's the work of God's spirit to woo us to himself. And this, I, in week four, I brought you to this scripture. And this is the testimony. Now, we just heard Debbie's testimony. We're about to hear Tara Mackey's story in just a moment. But this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. He who has the son of, has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. Okay? If you have the son, you have the life. If you don't have the son, you don't have the life. Okay, again, if I could just blow away all of my religion right now, my religious thoughts, and all the things that have kind of made things hazy for me through my life, through maybe religion that was about God, but I really didn't know Jesus, didn't know what this Jesus stuff was all about, that was my biggest problem, getting through the haze of religion and my own effort to, to reach God and be good enough for God to accept me. This is, let me just say this. This is my testimony. Is this your testimony? That God gave me eternal life. I have the Son. Therefore, I have the life. If I did not have the Son of God, I would not have the life. These things I am telling you right now. This is, (laughs) who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may... Remember, we talked about this. How many people would dare say they know they have eternal life? How many people would dare say they have eternal life? I hope I have eternal life. That's what most people, you want go on the street today, do you have eternal life? You're going to heaven. I hope so. I think so. I, I, I pray so. Um, but that's not what the Bible says here. He says, so that you may... Know that you have eternal life. Who would want, not want to know that they have eternal life? I think about that for a minute. If I said to you, I can tell you for sure what's going to happen to you in the next 10 years, would you want to know? Well, I'm not, maybe you wouldn't want to know. But if I could tell you, I can tell you that you will spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ and all others who have surrendered to him if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Don't don't believe me, believe what he says. Has he said that? Well, if the word of God is true, he who has the son has the life. He who does not or she who does not have the son of God does not have the life. If you don't have the life, what much you have? Death. That's right separation from God. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know why I know I have eternal life? Because I had nothing to do with it. That's how I know I have eternal life. If I thought I would have eternal life or hope I have eternal life or pray I have eternal life, that would mean that I had something to do with it. I'm hoping what I have done is good enough. To say you know you have eternal life is the most humble position one can take because that knowing is not based upon your or my doing. It's based upon what one did for me. And Jesus says, if you trust me, I give you my life and you will never perish. On the other side of your last heartbeat, we live forever. And so... This is great news, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And tonight, I want—I'm going to take another minute, and I'm going to invite uh, Tara Mackey to come. Tara, we got to know Tara back in—in uh, in, Tara, what was it? What Alpha was it? Two thousand three. We're pulling from the—we're pulling from the ancient times here of. <laughs> So Tara, you probably some of you guys recognize her. She's an example of yeah. You can clap for her. Tara is an example of if you you know come to know Christ here, you get to dress in black and serve cake, uh, as I told you guys about. And uh, love this lady, love her family. Are any of your kids here tonight? Uh, Stephen is here,
1: and Veronica's downstairs with the kids.
0: Okay. So Tara is going to I'll ask Tara to come and just share with you guys just for a moment because again I want you to hear from folks that have experienced the warning and the wooing and the winning of the Holy Spirit, madam. Is it not on? It should be on. No. Michael, try now. Hello. There you go.
4: Sorry. (laughs) Um, bear with me. It's been a really long time since I shared my story. And, um, the last time I did, my husband was up here with me. Um, and never, uh, since my kids are are grown. And like I said, some of them here. So, uh, give me a little grace. (laughs) Um, I grew up here in New Orleans, um, Irish-Italian family, so of course we were Catholic. Um, Pretty normal childhood. I don't have, you know, lots of trauma. I found out two months ago, uh, (laughs) I ran into some people I grew up with, and they said, oh, we lived on single mom's row. (laughs) And we were poor, but I didn't know it. I saw my dad all the time, (laughs) so that really did not have any, uh, sort of effect, but I did go to church on Sunday. Um, you know, made sure I said all my prayers and did all my, my things like a, a good Catholic girl does. I was public school, so I had to go to catechism. <laughs> um, but, uh, being the baby of the family, um, my brother and sister. 10 years older than I am. So got lots of attention from lots of people. You know, my mom would say, you never cried because you didn't have a chance to, uh, I didn't, uh, didn't have a chance to had lots of people around me who loved me. Um, but, um, just, there was never enough, you know, growing up, um, started getting into my foolishness very early, very early, maybe I started going to clubs, maybe 12 years old, something like that. Um, I looked a whole lot older than I was and, um, I really loved to be out and social and dance. And so that was right up my alley. Um, I would go out all the time. Um, like I said, very early, tried drinking and, and little you know, tried drugs here and there, but that was not my sin of choice. Um, did not like to be out of control. way too controlling for that. And most importantly, at the time, uh, at the end of the night I would look around and all of my girlfriends who we had taken hours to get ready, uh, at the end of the night, they looked horrible. Right. They were falling all over and they looked terrible. And so I said, Oh no, I don't want to look like that. I want to look good at the end of the night. Right. Uh, love that attention. That was my sin of choice. Um, but I was just way too worried about boys and attention to, to deal with the drinking and the drugs. So, um, I guess that was a blessing. And, and I, you know now I can say I, I really put myself in a lot of um, terrible circumstances where I know the Lord's protection was there for me because there could have been a lot a really lot of things that have gone uh, could have gone very wrong um, but instead my way of dealing with knowing that I was doing bad stuff was oh you just don't think about it I just don't think about it. I still go to church every Sunday. I mean, Hey, um, so you just don't think about it. You just kind of bury it. And, uh, you know, in school, I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of girlfriends because, you know, I was way too busy trying to get all the boys attention and to be boyfriends. So, um, as you can imagine, not a lot of girls like me. So It was way easier for me to just become mean and hard and a mean girl. So well, it was way easier for me to say, well, I don't like you. So I don't care if you don't like me. So um, I will say right now, and my kids will will back me up on this. I do see a lot of people because New Orleans is a small town. And I really do apologize to everybody that I was mean to. And they look at me kind of funny sometimes. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's really fine. That was a long time ago, but I still do it anyway. Um, so that was an easy way to deal with sin, right? Just be mean, be hard. Don't think about it. It's great, but keep going to, you know, every Sunday and be at church. Um, met my husband when I was, uh, 16, I think, um, I lied. I was a real good liar, uh, said I was 17, I think, but he saw my driver's license one day. Um, so yeah, that was not good, but, um, met him very young. He had a baby on the way from one of my friends. That was interesting. Yeah. Good times. Um, (laughs) good times. (laughs) Um, we got married very young. I was, uh, well, I, I graduated high school, which a lot of my friends didn't went really far all the way across the lake to Hammond, to uh, Southeastern for a semester or two, Gus was here. There was no cell phones. (laughs) I was like, where is he going? And uh, a friend of mine took my fake ID or had the bouncer take my fake ID right before I left for college, so I couldn't go out. So that really wasn't going to last long. Moved back home, uh, transferred to UNO, and got a really great job um, at a local TV station. That's what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, I want to be an anchor. You can just, like, sit and read? That sounds like a great gig and there's, like, a clothing allowance? Awesome. I'm all about it. So, uh, you know, things were looking great. Got engaged. Got married. Um, I was married at 20. Had a great job, all that kind of good stuff. Still wasn't enough, right? So uh, quit my job. I mean, uh, quit school. Got a new job. Um, had my first baby and, uh, that of course changed, changes everything, but still wasn't enough. Uh, started working for a really great company, but didn't realize it then, you know, why wasn't I satisfied? Had a beautiful baby boy, married, great job, great friends. Um, why was I still searching for something? Just, it's gotta be more than this. There's, you know um, still seeking attention. So, um, you know, here comes the, um, sin of choice. Um, I remember, okay, I'm just going to pick somebody and, um, it's not one of my finest moments. Just if I'm not getting, you know, if I'm not feeling like a queen at home, well, this guy over here will treat me like a queen for, you know, the hours that we're in, uh, at work together. So ended up having an affair. Um, of course the truth always comes out. So my husband found out it was crushing to me to know that I hurt someone like that. Um, so badly, um, we decided that we would stay together and try to work it out. And after about a year found out that in retaliation, there was more unfaithfulness, um, so, you know, just lowest of the low, uh, didn't tell any of my family or friends cause it was just too much shame involved, right? Oh, this young couple, she's a hot mess. He's a hot mess. They'll never make it. So didn't, there was no, we're going to try to work it out this time. Um, packed my bags, I had another baby, so I had to pack two bags. I can see them sitting there, you know? Um, and I went to get my hair done. My dad had given me a gift certificate and a girl I'd never met before just chatting. She, uh, starts telling me that she's engaged and she had grown up, uh, in the Baptist church, but her fiance was Catholic and wanted her to convert. So she started going to, I guess, what is like a catechism for adults And she's, you know, I said, Oh, I'm Catholic. And she started, I don't understand this. And I don't understand that. And I don't understand this. And I literally said, Oh baby, you're not supposed to understand it. You just do it. And I realized after it came out of my mouth, really? Is that right? (laughs) Um, but you don't, you're not supposed to understand it. You just do it. And she kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, you know what? Hold on a second. A woman who had been in her chair before me. See this wooing that Frank talked about? God orchestrates so, so beautifully. A woman who had sat in her chair earlier gave her a flyer to a course called Alpha. Now, again, we had never met. She didn't know me from anybody. um, But she opened her drawer and she gave me this flyer to Alpha. And she said, my fiance and I are going to go to this you know, you, you might want to go. She had no idea of who I was or what was going on in my house in my heart affecting my, my future. She had no idea. She just handed me this alpha flyer. I brought it home. I don't even think we were barely speaking at the time, my husband and I, but we had a neighbor, uh, who would always just come hang out and he saw it and said, Hey, I went to one of those things in Arizona. Y'all should really go to that. You really, and, and I want to go too. like, are you kidding me? Really right now? Now my husband grew up with no, uh, denomination, didn't go to church, nothing like that. So, I mean, I got up and got dressed and went to church every Sunday with my two children all while having an affair, but my husband didn't, you know, I was like, what are we going to do to this church thing? <sighs> okay, whatever. Um, I remember getting a door hanger about a year before that. Mm -mm, I don't know about that crazy church. We ain't supposed to go to anything like that. Put it right in the garbage can. So if it weren't so dire and if we wouldn't have been in the place that we were in, um, we would have never gone. But we did. My husband and I, we went. Table six. Shout out table six. Wherever you are. Uh, we went and we attended alpha on the way there. Okay. We had a strategy. We're going to sit in the back of the room by the door. If I see anything, don't ask any questions. Just follow me. Cause we're out. We don't know what's happening. Don't drink, especially if there's Mm Kool-Aid. So we walked in very guarded, you know, we saw a cross. This was the old church. There's no, there's no Jesus on that cross. They don't believe in Jesus here. I mean, I was really, I was ready, you know, Mm -mm. so we went and, um, I didn't need convincing that I was a bad person. I knew I was a bad person, um, but I needed punishment. I needed to pay for my sins. I, I knew I did bad, you know, where's, okay, let's skip to it. What do I need to do? (laughs) How many, you know. What's my penance? How many Hail Marys do I need to say? Do I need to pay money? Like what do, what do I need to do to to get back right with God? That's kind of where I was. Um, week three comes along. I was I will I was shocked at the scripture. Like wait that's in the Bible? I had a Bible. I went to church every Sunday, so you know and I would hear Frank and Keith say, "Don't trust me. Go look it up. Go look it up. Right." Um, I had looked at the Bible before and none of it made sense to me, but all of a sudden I'm opening the Bible and I'm like, wait, that's what it's, wait, it really says that <laughs> all of a sudden it made sense to me. Uh, I just didn't understand that it was the Holy spirit that was opening my eyes and revealing things to me that were there all along. Um, so we leave after week one, you know, we're in the car. How'd you like it? Hmm. You want to go back? Whatever. That's, that's kind of where we were. We go back week two, week three. Our table was great. Let me just say this. We had um, another couple. The woman had left her husband, and she was with her boyfriend. We had um, her mother. We had Allison, who had invited me and her fiancé, who refused to eat. He took it a, first, a step further. Not only anything to drink, no food. He would not eat anything either absolutely not. We had an atheist. He was great. It was so, I didn't get it. I was like, they have something. What is up with all these people? I would go drop the children off in, in, uh, children's church. And there was all of these young teenage kids working in there. I thought, okay, the girls, maybe their moms made them come, but boys, Frank's son, why is this you know, good looking kid, you know, why on earth would he be volunteering to watch children? I just didn't get it. Why are all these people so happy? Why are they welcoming? Why is there like a, like a familiarity here? I I didn't understand, but I knew I wanted it. There was something, there was something there. Um, so anyway, week three comes around. Why did Jesus die? And, um, both my husband and I both surrendered our lives to Jesus. I still thought there had to be something else. This is way too good to be true. There's no way that I have lived my life and ruined, ruined my life. And yet Jesus still wants me. Why am I here? What am I, what am I doing here? It was just too good to be True. We were at such a poor place in our marriage that we didn't even tell each other. I went and told Frank. No, I'm sorry. I went and told Keith. Gus went and told Keith. But we didn't tell each other. We were still at, you know, how'd you like it? You Want to go back? Yeah, I guess. Um, But God, Uh, the Lord just chipped away. He is not a God of, here's here it is, take it or leave it. This is the message. Look how bad you are. You're going to hell. That's not our God. Our God woos us. And he chipped away little bit by little bit because he knows that's what, what I needed. Showing me, unfolding his mercy towards me and his love towards me that I knew I didn't deserve and I didn't understand why I still don't why. Um, but chipped away at our hardness, at our pride, at our selfishness, um, and completely restored our marriage. Um, we just celebrated 25 years, (laughs) um, being married. Yes. Um, we had two more babies, um, And everybody's pretty much grown now. Um, The best thing as a mom is that God and his merciful, gracious love saved all four of my children. Um, I would love to stand here and say, oh, listen, you know, ever since I surrendered my life to Jesus, it has been sunshine and rainbows and we haven't had any problems and everything is wonderful and great. But God doesn't promise us that here. God says, I have that for you, but not yet. Um, but what he does promises is that he does, he will not leave us. Do I fail? I fail every day, every day of my life. I fail. Um, but he doesn't leave me. Um, we experience a lot of loss. My husband lost his father very young. I lost my mom. Um, My aunt, who was like my second mom, my dad three years ago today, six months after that, my brother, um, we've experienced a lot of loss and, um, through that, my sister, I'm the only, um, I'm the only one, you know, the only believer that she knows. And, and when, trust me, when we first came out to our families and said, Hey, listen, we're born again. They were not jumping up and down and saying, yay, we're so happy. Um, (laughs) What do you mean we're not getting drunk at crawfish boil on Easter? What kind of foolishness is this, you know? Um, My husband works as a a construction uh, guy. He's a roofer. Uh, So, you know, when he stopped cursing every other word and changed his radio station to, you know, Christian music. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, you know, I was getting baptized. I was all excited, called my dad, dad, I'm getting baptized. No, I will not be a part of that. That's, you know, it's crushing. But, um, but, uh, my sister has been able to, cause now it's just, she and I left out of the entire family. She's been able to watch how God has given me comfort and peace and been able to go through all of that loss, um, and say like, what, how are you, how are you still standing? My, my children, unfortunately, my daughter had to just go through this. Uh, one of her very good friends ended his own life while they were away at school. Um, and her friends, you know, how, how are you handling this? Why, why are you okay? Um, and it's because God is with us. He will never leave us. He will never let us go. Um, and we can have the peace um, in knowing that we can have peace. We can have comfort when things don't make sense in this world. And it seems like every day it gets worse and worse. Um, God is with us. And I, I have a hope. And, uh, I joked earlier and said, you know, if, if sharing my story, if one person can say, man, if God can save that crazy lady, then I have hope. You do have hope. Uh, you do have hope because he saved this crazy lady. Um, I had some, some points. I just want to make sure. Oh, the apologies. I do. I really do go and I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that I was ugly to you. Um and it's not something that, you know, that God makes us do, but it's something that I want um to do for myself, for them, for my children to see. Um, sometimes they laugh and they probably are cursing me out under their breath. But um, it has also given me opportunities um, where a friend of mine who was going through divorce she felt comfortable enough to come and confide in me and talk to me about it. And I was able to walk with her through that. I was able to invite her um, to church, to Alpha, to a Cantata. That's why we are allowed to go through what we go through so that people um, can relate to us and they can say, okay, she went through that and she's still standing. I know God I can say personally, um, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I deserve wrath. I deserve hell. I deserve punishment and judgment. But that's not our God. Our God orchestrated all of this to save me, to save you. You're not here by coincidence, right? There's a, a crazy story of how you got here. Um, but God gives us the opportunity to share our stories and to share um, how merciful he is for his glory. So just know that it's not a coincidence, not an accident that you're here. Even if you can't stand the person that that invited you, <laughs> they obeyed God's voice saying, invite that person. Frank, uh, you, he obeyed the Holy Spirit saying, come talk, Tara. Didn't want
0: to, but... Thank you, dear. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh. And so this is this is what God does. He he warns us. He wound, woos us, and and he wins us. Um, and that's what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. And, uh, and what I want us to do, I just want us to take a time right now to pray. Because May 20th, 2022, may be the night that if you have not run into the open arms and heart of Jesus Christ, this would be that night. And why not? this decision changes the trajectory of your remainder of May 20, 2022, and May 20, 2023, and twenty four, and forever. That is the promise of God. I have to believe that you wouldn't even be here tonight if you weren't sensing the Holy Spirit has been warning you and wooing you so that even tonight he could win you. Tonight would be the night you would say, I do, to Jesus Christ. We talked about this in week four. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hanged on a cross and before he died, if it had been a marriage ceremony right before he died, he would have looked you in the eyes and he would have said to you, I do, I take you, for better or worse, whether you're sick or healthy, forever, and death will not part us, so I want you to have that opportunity tonight, the opportunity that I was given, the opportunity that Tara was given, the opportunity that Debbie was given, so many of us have been given to let tonight be the night you welcome Jesus Christ to be the Lord And the Savior of your life. Tonight and forevermore. So let's pray together for a moment. Father, I thank you that your spirit many years ago warned me and wooed me and won me. And I'm, thank, I'm really thankful that I am more grateful today than I even was then. I'm more excited today than I even was then, decades ago. But I can't take credit for that. That's your constant wooing me. That's your constant desire for me and each and every one of us who are in Christ to know you more, to trust you more, to love you more. To serve you more. And Lord I pray right now. We pray together. For those Lord who. Tonight will be the night. That they say yes to Jesus Christ. Lord would you speak to every heart right now. Now while your heads are bowed. uh, And your eyes are closed. I just want to ask you this. If you have not ever welcomed Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, your rescuer, your husband, your maker. The one that takes over your life today and for the rest of your life. I I want to give you that opportunity right now because God wants you to take that opportunity right now. If tonight would be the night you would surrender to him. Would you just do this? Would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around, but just would you raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. If you've never done that, let tonight be that night. Anyone, just just put your hand up just for a moment. Acknowledge to God, I want to be yours forever. Well, I want to encourage you, if before the night is out and you just want to talk to your table host or me or any one of us and say, look, I, I want to I want to surrender to Jesus. Let tonight be that night. What would hold us from surrendering and giving all to him as he has given all to us? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your. Your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your warning and your wooing and your winning. And we ask you to continue to minister to us as we continue to open your word through uh, tomorrow morning and Tuesday night and the remainder of Alpha. Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to do this. We're going to take a quick break. Um, And then uh, dessert's going to be served in just a moment. And and then uh, I've asked, while we're having dessert, I've asked Donnie Bourgeois to come. And uh, Donnie's going to share an amazing story of his life with us. And then when when Donnie's done, uh, we'll be adjourned. And then tomorrow morning, breakfast here at 8. 30. Okay. And we'll jump right into the story of the prodigal. So, uh, let's take a quick break and, um, come on back. Uh, dessert's going to be served. I think it's going to be served in front here, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, bourgeois to come this evening and just close our evening out. Uh, this man and his wife, uh, has, be- have become so dear to this entire church through the years. And, uh, he's got, a. He's a man who was warned and wooed and won by the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you guys would just welcome Donnie to come and share with us for a moment.
2: Oh, boy, oh boy, 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 boy. Hey, oh, hey, good evening to everyone. And thank you, Frank, for allowing me to be here tonight to, to give Testimony as well as as Debbie and Peter and, and Tara. What a what a blessing to see the sovereignty of God and and how He He works in just just anybody's life, right? I mean, we're just common folks, just like you, and uh, and look what He does. And I have the privilege tonight to, to to give testimony as well. What He's done in my life. I'm gonna give, start with a little nostalgia here. Uh, for the younger ones, you're not gonna you're not gonna know what I'm talking about, but some of your older ones will. Uh, I'm gonna go back uh, 51 years. Um, Frank skating rink. Does anybody remember Frank skating rink on West Napoleon, which is now Earl's Plumbing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's where. I met my wife. Um, I don't know what she saw in me other than I could skate really well. <laughs> and I used to stop there every <laughs> every evening while they were building it. And I was a freshman in high school, and I used to stop there and I used to watch him lay the floors. And Mr. Frank DeMarco owned the skating rink, and he asked me when it was almost finished. He says, uh, "You looking for a job?" And I said, "Yeah." Yeah. He says, you want to be a skate boy? I said, oh, that'd be awesome. You know, so uh, of course, I didn't get paid. I got to eat all the popcorn and hot dogs I wanted. (laughs) 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 So as time went on, um, my wife, she brought her sister and her sister's friend over and dropped them off on a Friday night. And uh, we kind of made eye contact, I guess. I mean, I really wasn't interested in <laughs> in looking at her, but I think she was interested in looking at me. <laughs> I don't know why, because <laughs> she's three and a half years older than me. <laughs> so uh, she came back the next week. She came back the next week, and um, the rest is history. I wish she was here with me tonight. She's not feeling well. Hello, honey. I hope you feel better. I wish you was here with me. Um, We've been married 48 years. So, um, I'm going to fast forward to, uh, 21 years ago. The Lord blessed us to have four beautiful children. I'm self-employed. I have He's allowed me to have fishing camps and hunting camps and, uh, cars and boats and, you know, living the American dream, right? A few dollars in the bank. Well, 21 years ago, me and my wife had this conversation said, we have all of these material things. There's something missing. We're missing something. There's something missing in life. Because all of this stuff that we have, our children, all the material things, it has got to be something else in life than this. Well, I'm going to fast forward another year. Two days after Christmas, I went hunting up in Woodville, Mississippi. Now, Brennan was my third son. He was a senior at Ridgewood. And I had a buddy of mine, Clyde, worked for Energy. Uh, 20 years ago, cell phones, service wasn't that good, especially out in the woods. Uh, but we went up to the camp, there's about 10 people, 12 people in the camp, got up the next morning, and it was pouring down rain, everybody was gonna sleep, and I told Clyde, I said, come on, let's go. We came down here to hunt, I'm gonna go sit in the stand. So he dropped me off. And he, he went on, and I got up in the stand, and about five minutes, ten minutes later, I hear my name being called out, Donnie, Donnie. I said, oh, man, that doesn't sound good. So I proceeded to get out of the stand. I met him on the, on the, on the road, and he had his cell phone in his hand. He said, Judy's on the phone. And I said, you know, picked it up, and she says, Brennan's in the hospital. He's in a coma. I dropped to my knees. I said, Lord, please don't let anything happen to him. And Clyde says, come on, let's go. I'm going to bring you back into town. So Brennan was out the night before with his girlfriend. It was her girlfriend's birthday. And they were at a place off of Carrollton. And they were dancing, drinking, having a good time. And this kid had the GHB drug, the date break drug, in a Gatorade bottle. Well, all you needed was a cap full of it. And that would make the girls kind of woozy, you know, so they could, I guess, take advantage of them. Well, not knowing what was in it, he took, he loved Gatorade, he took the bottle and he drank half of it. (laughs) So it suppressed him to the point, it stopped him from breathing. These These are tears of joy now. These are not tears of sadness. So Clyde brought me in, and the boy that knew what Brennan drank says, come on, i got to bring him to the hospital. Put him in his car, drove him halfway around the block, stops. said, I can't take him, I have all this other paraphernalia in my car. So his girlfriend went back inside and got another friend of his. Got him in his truck, and they brought him to charity. So Clyde brings me in, I get to the hospital, and I'm running through the hospital. Literally running through the hospital looking for my son and my wife. And I find him. And there's Brennan, he's in the bed. And he's just he's eighteen years old, healthy as a horse, and he just looks like he's sleeping. But they said by the time he got to the hospital he'd already stopped breathing ten to twelve minutes. So he was brain dead. So we're in the hospital with him for eleven days. The second day, they had so many people up there. I don't know how they got up there. They gave us a whole wing, and this gentleman came up, and he asked if he could go in and pray over him. And I said, "Sure, absolutely." So he went in. You know, some things go on in our lives that we just don't we don't ever forget. And he went in, and he came out, and. remember him sitting in the corner for several hours and he walked up to me and he said if you get a chance I'd like for you to read this and he handed me this track and I said thank you and I put it in my pocket well that night I took it out and I read it and I read it again and I read it again steps to peace with God And I did what it told me to do. At least I thought I did what it told me to do. Well, I did because I wouldn't be here tonight if I wouldn't have. Something happened. Something was happening that I didn't realize. And it's the spirit of God that was in me, that was changing me. I had no idea what it was. For the next eight days in that hospital, the things that took place, I could write a book or several books on it, but I'm going to share it with you all. I did everything, humanly, medically speaking, possible to try to get my son back. Hyperbaric chamber was a thing that was just starting back then, Where, but we had to transport him from... Uh, charity to St. Charles General, St. Charles, but it was an ordeal to transport him because the doctors and the nurses and all had to had to go with him. And that was, they put him in a chamber and they pressurize it. It's like you go into water, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet, and the pressure pushes the oxygen into your blood, trying to get the oxygen to get into his blood system to get him revived, get his brain revived. So we wind up doing this twice. Well, everything was leading up that nothing was, nothing was happening. So we were approached by Lopa, and they asked to meet with us. I didn't even know what Lopa was. So both me and my wife, we met with them on the eighth day, went up to the office, Walked in, sat in front of the desk, and the lady asked us if we would donate Bren's organs. <laughs> and without hesitation, both me and my wife looked at each other like this, and we said, yes, we would. And seven people's lives were, were saved by us, allowing them to take his organs After we buried him, I had a revelation. I never knew what a revelation was. To pick up God's word and read it. And I did. I picked it up and started reading it. The first scripture that God revealed to me when I opened his word up was in John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus says, peace I leave you with, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give He says do not let your hearts be troubled Nor let it be fearful That scripture right here in this heart For 20 years now Never lost that peace Never lost that peace by God's grace I've never Never ever felt Anything like this ever in my life Now my wife knew Something was going on with me She knew something was happening but she couldn't And I didn't know what it was either so I'm reading God's word, and he's revealing these, these scriptures to me. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift from God, not as a result of works. One may not boast. Another one he gives me. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon ye and learn from me for the gentle and humble of y'all. Of my heart will give rest to your soul. Another one he gives me. On top of all of this, right? Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. And these scriptures, God's word is going right into this heart. And I am just like, I'm beside myself because I don't know what's going on. And my wife's, she's just holding on to my coattail, right? Well, we get, a, we get an invite to come to Alpha. And I tell her we come coming to Alpha. And she looked at me like I was from outer space. <laughs> but I knew, but I knew that I had to come. I knew we had, we had to be here. And she was in a black hole. I wish she was here tonight. So she would give her testimony. I'm going to give you her testimony with her not being here. Because it took her five and a half years to find the peace that God gave me in that hospital. So she's hanging on to my coattail. And we come to Alpha. And I said, look, we need, to go, we need to go to church over there. And, I mean, I basically literally had to pick her up out of the bed, get her on her feet, and, and bring her to church. Well, we came the first week, we came the second week, and we couldn't wait to come the third week, the fourth week, the fifth week. And now it's been 20 years for us. Praise God. 20 years. He's allowed us to be part of this church. He has put on my heart. He gets me up at 3.30 every morning. Every morning he gets me up at 3.30. I have not missed a day in 20 years reading his word. By his grace. It ain't because of me. It's because of his spirit that he's put in me. That's given me the desire to read his word. That I could stand here tonight and tell you. This is what it does. This is what it does to to individuals. And I know my story is different than Debbie's and Tara's. But we all have a story. Whoever comes to Christ, we all have a story. Right? We all have a story. Now, my wife, she's got a story, too. It took her five and a half years for her to come to find the peace. She, could, she couldn't understand it. She couldn't understand the peace. I couldn't understand it either. It was beyond, beyond my comprehension that I could have this kind of peace in my life. But I was asked to go to Cabrini High School to give testimony one time, and I wound up going seven times. I used to go on a Wednesday. Well, the week before, the fifth time I went, this is five and a half years now after I buried my son. Something was going on with her. Some, something, the spirit, I still don't know really what's going on. Because the spirit is is working. And I'm, I'm not too sure about all this at this point. Even at five and a half years. And she says, I want to go with you. Because after I'd, I'd go there and I'd give testimony, I'd have to come back home. I mean, I was just like mentally drained I I gave the girls Q and A time and and uh and I was just I just had to go home and just I was just mentally drained. She said, I said, You sure you want to go? You know you know I'll have to go through this whole ordeal again. She said, No, I want to go with you. Well, she came and I went through the whole ordeal. And when I got finished, she stood up. And we probably had about a hundred girls in the chapel there. And she said, I'd rather be where I am today in my walk with the Lord than to have my son back.
0: <laughs>
2: I dropped to my knees. I said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I knew she found that peace that God had given me that I had been talking to her about all those those five years. And today, today, today she has that peace with her. And I've never stopped praying for her. Every day I pray for her. Every day I give thanks to God for what He's done in my life and what He's done in her life and what He's doing in my family's life. And I have the privilege to talk to you all, to tell you all that tonight. I thank you for listening. God bless you. God bless you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Brennan. Thank you all. <laughs> what I was missing that, that year before Brennan passed, that what I was missing, what we were missing, who was the Lord. He was, he was who we were missing in our lives. Every, everything else was totally relevant. But now we have him. Everything is relevant with him. Thank you. (laughs)
0: looking at me like what do you want yeah I I really did want you guys to hear these stories tonight um, because I want you to know um, this is what the Spirit of God does for everyone for everyone and uh, I believe the Lord wanted you to hear more from those folks tonight than from me and to experience the Spirit through their story for yourself um, so grateful you're here. Uh, tomorrow morning, eight thirty. Please be here. Got a great breakfast. We're going to kick off with um, the story of the prodigal son. So as you're falling asleep tonight, read Luke 15 or cram early in the morning, and um, we will look forward to uh, seeing you then. So thanks for being here. You guys have a great remainder of the evening, and we hope to see you tomorrow. Thank you, Donnie, Debbie, Tara.